0: All right. Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderley. I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of the Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And in today's episode, my guest is Amar Singh. Amar is an art gallerist and human rights activist focusing on women's rights and LGBT rights. He opened Amar Singh Gallery to champion historically overlooked and important female artists and in 2018 was part of the group of activists which helped legalize homosexuality in India. Amar has served as an advisor and ambassador to the Andrea Boncelli Foundation and is a phenomenal fellow with such a deep set of values that he's bringing into the world and that's what I'm excited to talk about today. Amar, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Julian. Thank you. It's great to be here
0: yeah this is exciting let's start let's start with let's start with um legal the legalization of homosexuality in india because i feel like this is such a huge one um for those people that still don't know um 2020 2021 is still a tough time for a lot of people in terms of marginalization and um you know women's rights gay rights um how were you inspired to 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 spearhead something like this and you know your um yeah in India which is kind of like well
1: I mean I wouldn't say I spearheaded it there's so many people who were involved and I was one of uh, many individuals and activists who um really work towards uh general LGBT rights um in India but what I will say is in regards to the legalization of homosexuality in India same-sex relations is it was quite monumental um globally because in 2009 homosexuality was legalized in India, and then it was recriminalized in 2013. And so for a democracy, the world's largest democracy to do that, um, that, that was quite shocking to so many people, particularly, particularly members of the LGBT community. And then it took five years for them to legalize uh, for, for the Indian government to legalize homosexuality again, so that that's that 's the key uh, point there that in a democracy there were equal rights issued and then stripped away again.
0: Hmm. Something that you know it, it's kind of happening across the globe and, and if you also look at you know media, uh, free speech, just minority rights in general the the, the pendulum hasn 't fully swung to total freedom of the people, um, share a bit more about your perspective and how you feel like we, we can actually cre- create this kind of, well, the, a paradigm where, where like every human is seen as a full and sovereign individual.
1: Well, I, ultimately, I, I don't know if you saw the election um, yesterday, the inauguration of uh, President Biden and that there was a remarkable, Uh, Individual there, the poet Amanda Gorman, who has yeah just
0: watched it today, yeah,
1: truly inspirational, and she said something along the lines in her in her poem, um, which went along like no harm to any and harmony for all, and that is what I think we should all aspire to. But for that harmony to all to occur, we have to find a point of neutrality and and, and understanding. And I think so many individuals um, do not often apply empathy, particularly in roles of leadership. So you have in governments all around the world, male dominated governments, men making decisions for women, men making decisions uh, for women about reproductive rights, uh, straight, white, cis men, c- cisgender men making decisions for the LGBT community—it's—it's it's madness. It's it makes inco- no it, sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's—it's it's, it's illogical. It's incoherent, and and there is um, no meeting point of empathy or understanding, and it causes situations like in the world's largest democracy, the repealing of the legalization of homosexuality, uh, which thank God. um, was fought and um, legalized again in 2018. But there is still a long way to go in India for LGBT rights, Um, a very serious road um, and a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, I I, I feel like that, you know, describes India in this case, but it really describes the state of all humanity. And as, you know, as a a man, I I often sense that... One of the biggest things we can do these days is to create space for other voices, marginalized voices, um, people on the kind of fringes of uh, society or former fringes that hopefully are all included into a a new form of mainstream, have the space to speak up, to stand up, to to be strong and be seen. Absolutely. So what do you... Just this is really curious for me. What what do what do you what do you feel about this, um, you know, coming bringing that back to India? What what was the repercussion in the Indian communities that you're connected to? Um, is there like, is there like a progressive and an old school camp, or is it much more complex than than that for people that that are totally unaware of that situation?
1: It is a. There, there's always different camps. So there's progressive. There's old school. Often culture is blamed. Culture is often blamed both, um, uh, well, in all cases, often, to suppress communities. Culture is blamed to dis- destroy the planet. We've always been driving um, polluting cars that don't meet the legal standards, so we might as well just keep driving them. Absolutely not. And, right. of course, um, the, the cultural idea of of a typical family um, is often used everywhere from India to Indiana to suppress minorities and LGBT communities. Um, But what is important to note is a lot of the LGBT struggles in India were introduced um, by colonialism and the British empire uh, Mm. invading India. And to be blunt, killing innocent people left, right and center Um, in a country that was not theirs and did not belong to them. And those practices still exist today. Section 377 was the law which criminalized homosexuality, same-sex relations in India. That was a colonial era law from the 19th century. So we look at that and there's an irony to, 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 to that fact that India the land of mahatma gandhi the land of pandit nehru the land of rajkamari anrithkor my ancestor who was india's first health minister and set up india's first women's education fund those great leaders feminists and equal rights activists led india to freedom and yet Laws which were used to suppress India still exist in the country today. And so it's essential that we strip them back. And my key focus at the moment is the legalization of same-sex marriage, the legalization of same-sex adoption. That is so important in India because India is the country with the most orphans. So the country with the most orphans in the world does not permit same-sex adoption. So that's millions of children who could find homes. If you think about it in those terms, it's quite jarring. And the third pillar in my LGBT rights focus is the outlawing, the criminalization of LGBT conversion therapy centers, which unfortunately only five countries in the world have criminalized, that's it. So that practice remains legal even in England. And in a country like India, where we spoke about culture being used as an excuse to suppress individuals, men and women are tortured, seriously. They are are physically and mentally tortured. Uh, My friend, the great LGBT activist, Prince Manvindra Singo Hill, the world's first openly gay prince, he was subjected to a conversion therapy center when he was younger, he was electrocuted there. He went through electroshock therapy and only last year, an amazing female part of the LGBT community, Ajana Harish, recorded a video on YouTube stating that she had been tortured by doctors in an LGBT conversion therapy center. And she committed, committed suicide the next day. So the fight fight goes on and, 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 and we're working on this. We're working on this.
0: I love your passion on this topic. And I think this is so, so relevant and, you know, I'm going to, you were speaking bluntly about the British kind of colonial uh, endeavors in India and and, in North America, obviously, and all of the European colonial endeavors across the world, truly and really. In a way, we could say we all went to a camp of indoctrination as children, that is school, to make all of this seem very normal, as if this is just all the most normal thing to accept. and. You know, for those of us, um, or for those of you that are, that are listening to this episode, that doesn't mean we me need to, to shame or blame this whole period of time, but there is so much reconciliation and so much coming to terms and so much rethinking to happen in our times on the planet where we create this pathway for life to truly be accessible to everyone and accessible and equal rights, no matter where you're from, no matter how you look, no matter what your sexual orientation is, no matter what your... Um, yeah, your, your ancestor's story is so that we can ultimately come into a, a time or an era of great collaboration.
1: Absolutely. And I think when we speak about education, that is the first pillar in creating change. I think there are three key pillars. One is education. Two is activism. And the third is legislation. Uh, working really with lawmakers of uh, government and courts to enact real change for the masses. I went to great schools and I have many of my, sc- my friends from school are still my friends to this day, but I too was taught about the victories of the British Empire and really, the, the, yeah, the positivity of of the empire when the, the, the reality is in America, in Africa, in India, the atrocities that were being committed by uh, colonial rule are, were, were unthinkable.
0: Yeah, I think this is so interesting because, you know, for those of you who are watching the video, um, I'm in Brazil and someone is cleaning my space just, just behind me. And it's just so apparently obvious for me when I'm in a place like Brazil, how inappropriately this colonial mindset that keeps continuing on and that's really the, the case everywhere in the world and how the 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 best we can sometimes do is is just to truly connect with people or to truly listen to their story or to see where we can help immediately but for the systemic kind of inequality um i think it it takes a much larger effort on on a planetary scale and sometimes i'm just going to admit this right here right now sometimes i feel um I definitely don't feel hopeless. Hope is something that comes from trusting and, and trust I have. Um, right. But I feel like clueless to uh, where are the bigger domino pieces, the bigger trim tabs in these conversations of inequality? <laughs> they,
1: they, they're inherent. They are inherent. Uh, if, we, if we look at what happened, unfortunately, on January sixth, of the siege of the United States Capitol, um, the individuals there truly believed that it was a stolen election. They were convinced that the Republican Party had won and they thought what they were doing was an act of patriotism. Um, And again, this, this bleeds into the idea of education And the media is so important. Talking about it is so important. And as you mentioned, connecting with individuals is so important. Um, Important to really be there as a human being at a personal level for as many people as you can, but also to share truths because there is so much disinformation, especially with the proliferation in, in social media and the media in general. Um, media vehicles, the media is very important, but media vehicles, whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, it, it took a act of domestic terrorism and seven people dying, two from suicide, for some of the leading media companies to decide to limit certain users on their platforms although that has now paved the way to a first amendment rights debate <laughs> but it's a, a good debate
0: it. the first amendment right debate i mean backtracking a bit to education i grew up in germany which um yeah, i think you're aware of you know i went through through kind of a a great education system from a perspective of what's currently the status quo a horrible education system nonetheless and like if we want to educate children to you know self-realization and expressing the true unique gifts into the world and I think we were bombarded with uh, shame and guilt about the the Nazi German era which to a degree I think is it was useful to go through this like over and over again and then to another degree it kind of stopped at creating that next step over to understand that the world we live in though is like a continuation of the roman empire but yet kind of a british american empire right. like we didn't we didn't quite cross that threshold you know we we were able enough to understand um the horrific scenarios of of the the german genocide and nazi germany but we weren't able to connect the dots all the way to the indigenous genocide to the um you know continuous kind of uh yeah you, you mentioned torture of people that's happening on the planet and so it's, it's big topics and sometimes, you know, talking about it just triggers or, 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 or inspires someone to take right, an excellent absolutely. action. So this is really why I'm hoping and what I'm hoping when, when, when we're immersing into a conversation like that. What else is present for you in that space? Because I feel like you've been an activist for a long time on this. And I want to bridge it now into also like how the arts are somewhat the best form of activism and rec- for forms of co- reconciliation, because Absolutely. the arts, again, include everyone. It's a call to arts for, for anyone who wants to express and change the times of trauma on the planet.
1: I have been doing this for a long time now. Uh, I'm 31 years old and I professionally have an art gallery and my mission uh, through my gallery is to champion historically overlooked and important female artists and I'm always so humbled and honored at the fact that I've been able to work with some of the most important uh, female estates and living female artists and feminists in the entire world from showcasing the works of abstract expressionist legends like Helen Frankenthaler and Elaine de Kooning right through to working with The guerrilla girls who are the most important feminist art collective alive today and that cross-section of art and activism well again we saw it yesterday at the presidential inauguration it was art which brought the inauguration to life it was art that began the healing process poetry music powerful words being used and paintings being displayed. One of the first things, the first thing that President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, who is half Indian, saw when they left the inaugural ceremony was a painting, a 19th century painting by an African-American. Now that just highlights the power of art and why? Why was that the first, first ceremony ceremony first step in their ceremonies after being sworn in because art encapsulates our humanity the i often say this art is very important the art world is a load of nonsense <laughs> no. and it's pretentious it's it's even more than prete- it's even more pretentious than people realize but art is very important and i've i have seen people's lives change by looking at a single painting seriously i was in boston mm. In 2017, and I had the great honor of working with Professor Henry Louis Gates. And we co presented a show called Harlem Found Ways, which celebrated African American communities and the struggle um, of Black people during the civil rights movement. Um, and there were amazing works by Glenn Ligon, Dawood Bey, Abigail Deville, and Kahinde Wiley. Now, Kehinde Wiley is the remarkable artist who painted Barack Obama's official portrait. An iconic painting, which everyone all around the world are now familiar with. I was with a group from the museum at Harvard, which I presented Harlem Found Ways with. And we were at the the Boston Boston MFA, Museum of Fine Arts. And there was an elderly African-American woman crying, looking at one of Kehinde Wiley's paintings. And as she stepped away, we we spoke to her, I spoke to her, and she said something remarkable. She said she never thought she would live to see a painting like that in a place like this. And that is life-changing. That's the power of art.
0: Yeah, that is truly powerful. And sometimes, you know, this is a, an interesting quote. She she would she didn't think she would live. I think sometimes we underestimate how big change is, even though it might look like it's happening really s- slowly. in In the trajectory of human evolution, I think there's a lot of change that still needs to happen, like ASAP, right? But at the same time, like every step forward is a step forward, and I don't I don't think it it really serves anyone when we're just continuing to try to cancel what isn't quite yet working in a way that it should be because the state of perfection where we're suddenly all um, freed and taken care for, it it might, for one, look different to different people. And and two, we we might never really get there because it's not really a defined, objectively obvious state. It's more like a trajectory of steps that we as humanity have to take.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we saw that with the, Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. over the summer of, 2000, of 2020. And that was so important. Uh, I felt beyond, beyond motivated by it. The assault on humanity, which we saw against George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many other innocent victims. Um, it was so important to rise up and combat that injustice. Uh, peacefully, of course, um, and and it, it troubles me that in my world, my professional world of art, there are still, and this is what I mean about the art world and the pretentious powers at play, there are still voices, racist voices, who have even, as recent as last week, said to me that the rise in championing African-American artists is just a phase. The rise in championing LGBT artists is just a fad. I had a troubling conversation with an individual last week where this was being said to me, me, a person of color. And this individual was a white, very wealthy m- man, which I, I obviously being white is not a bad thing. There should be love for people off- all races and creeds but this individual unfortunately fits into the long history of a a individual who was born into such power and privilege and feels that they are able to say these things and feels they are able to live by those ideals Um, and i certainly will do everything in my power to keep championing lgbt female and, and minority artists
0: and I think I think it's a, another great example of bringing up to, to have tough conversations when they occur, to speak up in moments, or to, um, you know, either to challenge a person about what they're what's coming out of their lips, because sometimes it is really just subconscious perpetuation of what they're just used to, right. and other times I think it's also important to continue to to bring like not knowing into the space, where. You know, a, a, a lot of people, I think, are perpetuating the old based on 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 this idea that there's something right and something correct and something wrong. And if it's something they're used to, then they'll just keep going with it because it's been affirmed in all their life. But really, um, inviting people into not knowing, I think, can be a very powerful transition to then understand, well, look, there there is a lot of different on the planet. Diversity is our true beauty. The diversity, in fact, is... The language of God, you know, and in in, oh. in in the way in the way that, that flowers grow, in the way that birds grow, in the way that humans grow. Like we, the more diverse our skill set, our abilities, our ethnicity, our background, our heritage, the more we get to play. Now, I'm really curious to hear your dream or vision of that. Um, you know, I asked this question like in a seven generational view forward if you were to tune into your heart, the vision space in your soul, what's in there? What's alive for you? What are you, what, what's the purposeful expression of you that you're here for on this planet?
1: To stand for something, to stand for something which makes a difference to people's lives. And for me, I'm committed to champion, championing women and LGBT communities all around the world. And I think anybody... I am just a flash in the pan. Uh, If you think about our whole planet, in in those terms, I am completely insignificant. But all of us have power. And we can channel that power to make a true difference. Anybody can rise up and Mm -hmm. pen their civil rights, fight for their civil rights, fight for human rights. And I think it's important that while doing that, individuals remember and consider to champion, champion causes that do not directly affect them. So I'm not gay, but I've been championing LGBT rights for over a decade. I'm not a woman and I um, champion women's rights. A lot of people ask me why. I come from a long line of women's rights activists. So I was definitely brought up in a feminist and strong female led um, home. But it's important to be an ally And it's through that allyship that change is pushed forward even faster. The march at Selma, which was led by the late legend, Congressman John Lewis, it was so important because it included the second time round after he had been beaten black and blue, it included white ministers, it included white women, and there Congressman Lewis was next to Martin Luther King. And, and that allyship was so key to moving voting rights and civil rights forward.
0: Hmm. I think in all of these moments of social movements really um, kind of either birthing or, or just taking up speed, there is this, there's this, this timing that needs to collide with, with the story and the timing, the story and the networks of people that can take action, that is ready to say, you know what, this is enough. We don't need a bloody revolution, but we sure need change. And Absolutely. for the change, we will not stop. We will, at the very minimum, go on the streets and show our opinions. Um, we'll create content or, or start uh, start writing or, or making videos. At the, at the very minimum, this is what we can do, right? Um, yeah, man, I, I'm so grateful for you to just share this this passion and this this walk of your life with with us today on on Green Thank Planet Blue Planet podcast. I'm I'm a little bit um, over here sit, sitting and, and just listening because I'm very aware that you know be, being being German, being being born a white man in this lifetime, there is a lot of this kind of privilege that it's not necessarily the first thing i'm not necessarily the first person who needs to speak up about this so for me the i'm i'm continuously listening and coming to terms with the reconciliation of my own um kind of ethnic heritage right which is which is the genocide on 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 the jewish people and i think this is a, a very important topic to continue to to find larger levels of peace with but i think everyone and every human and every individual no matter where you're from in the world there is a version of that for you. If it is stand up and speak up loud and tall, because it's your time, or if it is open your ears and make them bigger and and listen longer and ask some different questions. Um, But my message here is participation is what's really most required. Because if we're just standing on the sidelines, judging or pointing fingers, very little actually changes. But the moment we step in and participate in any form that's showing ourselves or exposing ourselves or making ourselves vulnerable change can happen. And then that change is, is, you know, is is the soil for, for the fruits of tomorrow.
1: I think that's beautifully put. I couldn't have put it as poetic as that.
0: Well, thank you, Amar, for, for going to all these places. I have a, a last question to you and that is, you know, coming back to our our way we experience this human journey. And I think, especially in times like now where we might very well be at light speed really soon with our technology. Right. Um, sometimes when it comes to human interactions, when it comes to building something, we realize that even though our technology is super fast and, and almost at light speed now, the trust and building trust and connecting through trust is like a currency almost. And so my question to you is, what does it require for you to trust someone, to trust an interaction and, action, and to, to work and act from trust?
1: Trust is everything. And what it I think is required for me to trust somebody is actions. And as human beings, that is a very s- simple response, but it's complicated because as human beings, we get angry, we get upset, we're, we, we look at the lockdown, um, we have been tested, our mental health has been pushed to the limits. Whether you're privileged or not, this has been a psychological roller coaster for everyone. There've been tears and arguments all around the world. And so to trust somebody, you have to grow with somebody. You have to spend time with somebody. And it is difficult. There is no easy path, I think, to complete trust. But there is one exception, and that is values. If you can find an individual who has shared values with you and truly shared values, it's not just a soundbite. They're not just echoing what you have to uh what you think so they win favor with you or you win favor of them if you find somebody whose values which posit- positively affect other people um you know resonate with 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 your own that that is a is a fast track to trust but that's difficult finding people who are completely aligned with your values uh yeah i could i speak I think from somewhat some experience when i say individuals i know who i i thought would be very supportive of me championing black lives matter have criticized it individuals who i thought would be supportive of my work in lgbt rights have questioned my own sexuality uh, and individuals who w- i thought would have been supportive of my work in my gallery and championing women have questioned my motives um, so it, it, it's always a challenge when we get onto the topic of trust.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're sharing it like that. I'm glad you're sh- sharing the word challenge there. That's what I meant with being participatory in reality, because the moment you participate, you will receive feedback. You will receive um, at least reflections and not all of them need to be positive and really truly when we learn the most it's usually based on something that's it doesn't need to be negative but that's that's like has some kind of friction right when there's friction and we come into harmony with that again then we we're we're on the path of learning and so um i think there's a there's there's a lot of human rights that still need to be fought for and you know you mentioned lo- lockdowns, and I, I wish everyone who's listening to this the most um, healthy experience in their body possible and to all of our families and at the same time, uh, personally, I do believe that the freedom of every individual is something very important, and I'm not sure if this is ultimately worth bargaining um, against a specific in this case, a disease that, that many, many uh, peer-reviewed research papers show are, are uh, is, is maybe not as deadly as people are fearing, right? So I'm just wanting to, to bring that to attention that y- human rights is not something, just like evolution, that's written in a history book and is done. This is something that we're actively engaging into. And when we participate, some people might agree and some might not, and and so building from coherence, building from a heart space and a well-informed mind space and with trust is, that's the pathway forward.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely, completely agree. Well, thank you. what's another,
0: uh, yeah, thank you for for being here with me. What's another, um, as on a closing note, another highlight of your year ahead that you want to make sure people know about?
1: I'm hoping to, criminalize LGBT conversion therapy across India. I am taking my fight, I have every intention to take my fight to the Indian Supreme Court. Um, So along along with my, I told you about the three pillars in creating change, or as I see them, along with educating other individuals, along with my activism, I am now focusing on the legislative Side, which ultimately is the, is the foundation pillar in creating that change we need to see. I hope to be um, sharing more with other communities about my fight and the specifics of my fight as the year progresses, but it's never easy in a country of 1.35 billion to take on <laughs> the highest court in the land and to try and strike down um laws that exist from a colonial past so hundreds of years that that is that is a challenge but it is possible it is possible and that i would say is my my main goal for 2021 is it going to happen well it's it's certainly you know i think the bar is high
0: i think you you stand a chance but i hope i hope and
1: and and you know the phrase it takes a village well (laughs) <laughs> it takes an army um to, so this again is a fight with so many other people to to create positive change when no one individual can take um any sole responsibility it is a group effort to positively affect the lives of others um, and that is something which i passionately believe in and i think we can actually outlaw it uh, this year.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing this, Amma. Thank you for t- taking the time, and uh, may- maybe we'll hear from you in, in a year or so when we know when that fight uh, has found success. That would, be, that would be a great step forward because you're, you. really, you're really saying it here. I mean, the, the legal frameworks that this reality still operates on, and this is true across every nation on the planet, a lot of these legal setups are not at all from present lawmaking. They're, they're, they're centuries old and they support a lot of what our generation and younger generations m- might you know, find nonsensical. They support a lot of this nonsensical, um, non-equal behavior. And, and so a lot of people get to hide behind laws that should not be laws anymore.
1: Well, don't even get me started on the Second Amendment. <laughs> so we'll be here we'll, all night.
0: We'll keep that for another one yes well thank you so much for your time thank you thank you here we are this is your host julian thanks for listening i hope you truly enjoyed this episode of green planet blue planet podcast and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life relationships and business and the way you show up as your best self for the world Did you know that we just launched a participatory Patreon asking you for your contributions of content and gifting a monthly subscription to our shared mission? The Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, video interviews and community is growing and together we can make it count and carry big ripples. So go and check out the Patreon, it's linked out in the show notes of every episode, the Patreon for Green Planet, Blue Planet and the community we're building together. Thanks for choosing to support with your time, money, or content. And that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, review the show, share it with a friend, spread the love, and have yourself a stellar day. All the best.